Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of... Hey, Teddy, what can't we do? We can't stop what? Snapping! Oh, my God. Conquest. Yes. Uh, well, actually, side note, before I introduce myself as Brad, otherwise known as Bradsver, and this is my friend Teddy. Hi, Teddy. How's it going? Uh, have you noticed that in Conquest, uh, the Proving Grounds has become a bit more sweaty? Like, even the Proving Grounds has become more sweaty, in my experience. Like, people aren't doing that, like, oh, snap initially, get to eight cubes, and then dip immediately. I'm actually yeah. noticing I've actually played way more genuine-feeling games in Proving Grounds, and I have to double-check and go, like, did I just play Proving Grounds, or was I in silver yeah, yeah. or gold? Right. No, definitely. I feel like I still get occasionally people who will hit me with the emote and then snap and then spam mm. it for, like, the first turn. Um, yeah. But if I don't, they just let it go, and then they'll play, like, a sweaty game after that rather than being chaos the whole way through. And I, I like that. I like that Proving Grounds has kind of equalized. I think that people getting whipped in infinite and gold was like, all right, I need to actually, like, practice decks before I run mm -hmm. them up higher. So they want that more competitive experience. Yeah, and, and I mean, when it comes to the competitive experience of Conquest, I found it to be uh, liberating to an extent. I was talking to a friend of mine who uh, played Marvel Snap when it first came out, dropped it, gave it another chance a little bit later, and then has since dropped it again. And okay. I was telling him, I'm like, hey, I know they're they're fixing some things with like the spotlight caches and stuff like that, right? Yeah. Um, and it's not perfect because... When he was playing, Series 3 was 76 cards. Now it's uh -huh. 99 cards. Oh, man. So, you know, that's that's already daunting in its own, right? I don't even think he started Series 3 yet. I think he was, like, almost on his pool 2. Gotcha. Um, so he was feeling collection fatigue in Series 2? Pretty much, yeah. Like, he yeah. said, he said, he was saying, because he's like, none of the decks that are available to you at these levels are very interesting to me. I don't want to just play bad, you know, destroy decks or like just weird devil dino decks. I want to okay. play like, the actual cards. And he's like, if they just gave this, gave like a blanket thing, he's like, I'd pay like 70 bucks, the same price I paid for Diablo 4, by the way, uh, to just like get all the cards and be done with it. And he's like, I know they won't do that because of the yeah. way they want to monetize it, but I'd rather do that. But anyway, what I was does the pro them, bundle get you if you're like right at the beginning of series three? Oh, it's like two hundred levels. It's right? just two hundred levels, so it would be one and a half spotlight catches. That's all. Yeah, I'm pretty Dude, sure. Do they have to update that? Honestly, well, like what if the pro bundle just one, gave right? you? They're going to do a pro bundle part two, chapter part I did, two. I did see that's okay. I, I I never confirmed this for my own sake, but like I did see like on multiple different Reddit threads, people saying this is why they're doing a pro bundle part two, and okay, like people okay. like like confirming that sentiment. So I'm like, I don't know where it is. I don't know if you want to try and find it real quick, <laughs> but um, yeah. So apparently we're doing a pro bundle two, the electric boogaloo, uh, more cards. What would you value it at if they sold you just a spotlight cash? They had a standing offer in the shop, purchasable like once a week, like you had a limit, or I guess once a day, whatever they want mm -hmm. a limit of that. You have yeah, a limit yeah, of how yeah. many you could buy. How much would you spend for just a cash pop? For spotlight cash. Well, a spotlight yeah. cash is every 120 collection level. Right. How many credits is that? It's a week's worth of your dailies. It's a They tried to even it out. So if you do just your dailies for the full week, that is one spotlight. Which is, uh, what, like 20, 50, 150, 170, uh, 
four hundred and seventy, five hundred, uh, nine or seventy, like like what? Just like a thousand and like a weird ending number, like a thousand seventy kind of thing total credits, right? For weekly challenges, isn't that it? Um, no, no, so no, it no, should be six thousand. It should be about six thousand credits, right? Because it's fifty credits for one level on that green yeah, yeah. upgrade, and so then for the hundred and twenty collection level, you pay six thousand um, credits. Okay, so six thousand credits is. Uh, you can pay 400 gold for 500 credits. So 6,000 divided by five. So you're looking at what, how much gold? Uh, 400 times um, uh, da, 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 six. So 2,800 gold. So it's like a premium variant. I imagine they would, they would price it even higher though, somehow. So they'd probably, uh, so first off asking what I would pay, five dollars <laughs> okay maybe maybe 10 like honestly because that's because no, i get it i get it so you it, you would pay the the battle pass for 10 and then for five dollars like the premium battle pass if it just included a spotlight cash on top that'd be that nice would be appealing I, oh, I think that'd be incredibly appealing because that's yeah. like here's here's your season pass and battle pass right mm-hmm. uh, which you get the season pass card oh and by yep. the way here's a random card that you might not already own yeah um, or a premium so, variant for something that you already do yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. i like that I think that'd be a really good idea. But anyway, I was telling him, I was like, hey, conquest mode, going back to like alleviating the kind of pain for yes, on my yes. end, is um, it's that competitive scratch because I think that playing the ladder, especially in pool one and two, where he was at pretty much, is yeah. mind-numbingly like boring, especially if you have no interest in those decks, right? Yes. Where conquest... Yes, you still have the issue of like the decks might be, not be as super interesting on your end, but at least there's a bit more of that competitiveness to it and a bit more um, like ease of like re- retaining your attention as opposed to like just like rank go up, rank go down, right? Yeah. A better goal to work towards that might yeah. help alleviate some of that issue of like not getting cards as fast as you want. You can um, also see a lot of the pool two tech cards find great success. Um, and that's where a lot of the. I mean, even high-level play still revolves around landing the Shang-Chi, landing the Enchantress, predicting, do you hold back your priority card, playing around initiative, these nuance of things that you can dig into even with pool two decks. Well, a question I have for you, because I just mentioned how when he started, it was 76 cards in pool three. Now it's 99. For comparison's sake, if I go over to Snap Zone real quick, yeah, uh, just to because uh, their collection is the easiest one I can look at. From it's a great layout. Yeah, we're no longer sponsored, by the way, guys, but we still love them. Yep, I am. I am happy to work with their website. Uh, so let's see. There is so ninety-eight cards in pool three, twenty-five yep. in pool two, forty-six in pool one. I think the biggest discrepancy is the fact that pool two is only twenty-five cards. Pool 2 always felt incredibly awkward to me, and I've gone on numerous campaigns of like, oh, this card should actually be in here, or this card should actually be in here, but the developers, the, they feel like there's no no world where they actually change anything now. I, I think they should. I think they should put some cards in, like, honestly, if they take 30 cards, yep, just flat 30 cards, go back down to 68 cards in Pool 3, and then inject those 30 cards into Pool 2, then you're looking at 55 cards in pool two, and you actually have a nice growth there. You go from 46 to 55 to 68 as it currently stands for pools yeah. one, two, and three. I think that's a nice little 
you know, curve, like a nice little growth, right? Yep. Especially um, with how daunting it can be to complete, like get to get a complete deck when you start just taking shots at the RNG lotto in pool yeah. three of what you're opening. You're like, well, these two cards don't fit together at all. And it's something like Destroyer. I don't have the other destroy cards to be able to run Destroyer, so I guess he sits on the shelf. And he's a cool Correct. card if you could build the deck, but you can't. And if you had more support coming from Pool 2, I mean, heck, Destroyer could lobby as, like, a good Pool 2 deck even. Uh, I think he oh, could it, be a fitting be archetype. A, yeah, no, he'd be a phenomenal Pool 2 deck because yeah. you just play Armor, Cosmo, um, and, so, and you still have Spectrum, right? Um, you, you can play Sunspot if you want to. You can do, like, Ebony Maw things. Like, uh, you can... You, yeah, that'd be a fantastic deck. It's mostly pool two uh, and one cards anyway, right? Okay, Was so there... maybe that one fits a little bit better. Oh yeah, and the Professor X. Um, I'm looking yeah, at right now. I threw it through them all. Yeah, this 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 is basically a pool two card uh, deck. Yeah, because that was the appeal of when when Destroyer was 16 power of basically being like he's your only pool three card in the deck. Okay, so a great example of someone who could move down, but maybe a poor example for being feeling bad about pulling him in pool three. <laughs> Yes, yeah, I understand okay. that. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I feel like Patriot and Electro and Destroyer could all go down into Pool 2 and they could play alongside the Devil Dino world um, and spice it up for players down there to be able to have more experimentation with these different archetypes. Because, yeah, like, Destroy and Discard are there, but they're so bad <laughs> that you just play yep. Dino and Zoo. So, yeah. Yeah, and there are so many other cards I think could go down, like, just for the sake of them being interesting. Um, like... Uh, some examples would be like Goose, I think, could go down to pool two would be a nice card for a lot of the because like, you know, a lot of people still try to play like uh, a zoo in those yep. levels. Right. Yeah. 100%. And Goose would fit in nice in that kind of shell, but it wouldn't be like, you know, oppressive to anything else. Uh, yep. Black Widow is another one. Um, maybe Colleen Wing just to give this discard something better. I think you leave some stuff at pool three, like maybe like Ghost Rider Hellcow can stay in pool three. Right. Uh, yeah. But Colleen Wing. Or maybe you say Hell is that kind of card. Um, yeah, there's Quake. Uh, I would say Quinjet's really cool. Um, Rowan, yes. I, I think, maybe could be even be in Pool 3 as like a, a mere competitive side to Dino if someone wanted to try that. Like, there's just so many of these cards that are like, like they don't feel like uh, they should be in Pool 3 entirely. There's just It's just too much. It's too overbloated. And it's just going to get tougher for people moving forward uh, as they enter the game or as they're in pool three trying to escape it with yeah. all these cards. Because again, we talked about this before. If you or I were to take a step away, if we if we weren't ha if we didn't have um, the content creation thing going on, right, and we yeah. didn't have to stay and play Marvel Snap, um, which we don't technically, but we choose to, right? Uh, but if we didn't have this obligation, and we wanted to take a break from Marvel Snap for like what two months. And we were already in that position of like not being pool three complete. How the fuck do you complete your collection? Like in the span of two months, it's grown by like twenty cards. Yeah, you are you saying like accounts that like your friends account? If if we were friends yeah, and yeah. I played and you didn't for two months, and then there's like no way to get parity after that. Yeah, it's like, what do you do for the people that take a step away for a little bit? Because at least like things like Hearthstone, for example, if I were to take a break from that, which I don't even care about Hearthstone too much, I don't like it, I just know this is a good example. Um, if I were to take a break from that game, and I wasn't interested in the meta at the time, come back in like a couple months when they have a new set drop, and I can just drop money to get all the cards from that set, and then yeah. basically be able to play again, you don't have that fallback 
monetary investment that you could do in Marvel Snap, which is also weird. It's like a missed opportunity, it seems. It's like, yeah, it's like the developers are playing it up as a pro, but I can definitely see the side where it could be a con. They play up, like, their free-to-play experience, I think that you can argue that it could be much better, and I, I agree that it could be better in some ways. But I think overall, and compared to other mobile games, it's pretty good. But then <laughs> the whale experience, actually, once you buy the battle pass, it's like the dolphin experience is good, which is very rare for one of these freemium mobile games. Mm-hmm. Just buying the battle pass for $10 a month is basically all that you need to do. If you want to hyperspend to be able to accelerate, the cost of getting new cards is ridiculous. The Pro yeah. Bundle does not give you very much for $100. Outright buying enormous chunks of gold does not get you very many cards for, again, $100. And so um, I'm sure that the people who do whale out are more on the cosmetic side. But for somebody who is yeah. entering now and wanted to catch up to like the competitive aspect of the game, they're looking at an enormous expenditure to be able to get to the top meta cards. And now Spotlight Caches might be able to throw a wrench in there and being able to target weeks where suddenly you can complete a meta deck by pulling a bunch of spotlighted cards all together with the newest stuff coming out. Um, But yeah, compared to a set release and you just have X price on this pack and you get it all, Snap does not have that. Yeah, I think I would like to see... uh, I don't know if this would even be... It's hard to read the community sometimes in terms of what they want, you know, because uh, with any game at all that has any competitive leaning, people love to complain. But well, yes, well, and the people who are contented are not speaking. And so as soon as you change yeah. something, then they're like, oh, but I liked it the old way. And you're like, well, exactly. all these other people did not like it the old way, so we changed it. And now, mm-hmm. yeah. But I was going to say, like, if I'm not pull through complete, how would you feel about every single reserve from a, that's not a spotlight cache? Yeah. Keyword, not a spotlight cash. Any normal gold reserve, right, um, is a guaranteed 100%. It's a pull three card every single time. You're just saying like an insane catch-up mechanic. Yeah. Like, like so like... basically you omit for the longest time, you omit tokens from those entirely for non-pull three complete players. Okay. Um, uh, you omit variants, uh, any cosmetics, credits, Boost, uh, I guess not boosters aren't even in those anymore. But anything that's not a card, pool three only, by the way. Um, no, no, that means in those gold ch- gold ones, 0% chance of getting a pool four or a pool five card if you are not pool three complete. It's purely only pool oh. three cards and then spotlight caches every 100 or 20. That's okay. when you have a chance to get your four or five. Gotcha. I don't know. I feel like that's just like so fast. It would be daunting to people, but maybe it could work. Depends on what else. Here's the thing is that I know that there are a lot of people, even within my community, who have said that the card acquisition side of things was like the main driving motivation for continuing to play. And -hmm. now that they are complete, they're way less motivated. They're thinking Mm -hmm. about maybe they go for completing sets of variants, but that is almost impossible to do right now. So it's way less. um, Because most of them aren't even released. Yeah, some of them are not released. Progress is very slow. You have to check daily in the shop and then you just have to spend the premium currency to be able to get it. Um so as long as like the 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 series four and five get large enough that there's still chasing to happen, then mm-hmm. I think it works out. Um, but that little that drip of progression, I feel like has to be there. <laughs> yeah, it, no, it's got to be there in, in some way, even if it's real slow. Like I'm telling you, man, if they gave you one credit at the end of every match, people would play more matches. 
and it's pennies it's less than pennies but people would play more matches they'd be like yeah i made a credit or at the the conquest shop tie back into conquest had an infinite purchase at a horrible ratio medals to credits whoo you'd see people try hard probably a lot more because they're like yeah medals are on the line medals means credits credits means cards well speaking of conquest have you gotten your infinite bordered avatar I did it, Brad. Nobody beats Team Teddy 15 <laughs> times in a row because that's how many times it took me to make it. Oh, my gosh. We ran hours and hours of Conquest on stream mm-hmm. on the main account. I had a huge stockpile of infinite tickets that I that I blew through. We made the finals plenty of times. We made round four plenty of times. I had to play yep. a Lambie series in round four one time who won the uh, UK creators. <laughs> I was like, oh, no. Um, and then it was ultimately when we switched over to the free-to-play account that had quietly just done incredibly well. Basically, I was just doing that one to keep up with my dailies and accumulated five infinite tickets because it had an insane win rate and then um, ran the bounce deck over there. I I played the bounce deck. (laughs) That seems to be the ticket. Got my hood in his shiny infinite border. Hey, you also got the hood? Yeah. Let Let me show you something real quick. Just ah, so the hood we, bros. Can be, we can be the hood bros. Yes. Yes. So I also went with the hood hey, as mine. So good. Um, so good. And I went with this deck, by the way, which, so this was, so my original what am, version. What am I looking at? So uh, Paper did this as well. Um, so this is what happened. My original version that I posted a few weeks ago, or like two weeks ago, because yep. uh, Paper follows me on Twitter. Uh, by the way, if you don't follow Paper, you should. Uh, another great content creator in this great space. Guy. Yeah. Um, he also even did an interview with a Bootman on his channel. But my original version was not running Killmonger, Shadow King, and Jeff in lieu of Enchantress, Miles Morales, and Polaris. Right. Okay. Some okay. some kind of consistency from the old stature version, right? But instead doing like the Doc Ock Ghost Spider thing, which okay. is awesome, by the way. So he took that list, tried it out, liked it. And then messed around with it and then changed it to what you're seeing here with Jeff Killmonger Shadow King. And I was like, okay, I like the progression of this. I like the, I, I like the core that I had, but I do acknowledge that without Zabu, your fours are a bit heavy at times. And I think it's a, a smart move to bring in some more three drops to kind of, you know, ease out your curve a little bit for the games you don't draw Zabu, right? And Killmonger Shadow King, phenomenal in the game right now against both Haivo as well as Bounce, of course. And then other decks, too. Like Shadow King against Destroy is really cool. Hitting a Venom back down to three or a Deadpool back down to one, right? Those are always really cool cards. Um, but the idea of the deck is to do a simple, normal Darkhawk strategy, right? Yeah. But Iron Lad has virtually no bad hits in the deck, I would say. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, if you hit Shang-Chi early and you, you whiff, that kind of sucks. But hey, at least I know I'm drawing Shang-Chi. <laughs> that, that's, a, that's a cool thing. Yes. But then Doc Ock pulling down everything is great for two, two different plays. One, you pull down pretty much all their giant cards, right? Like Hulk, uh, Abomination, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then you have to just like Shang-Chi their lane. Or if you can't beat that lane, you don't have Shang-Chi... You can go spider, you yoink him out of that lane and just be like, okay, bye. You can have that one. And then contest a different one. 
Um, and then the other thing is, of course, sometimes you just get lucky and pull down all their bad cards. And like you pull down like yeah, their that's wasp, the come true, their right? shocker, et cetera, et cetera, yeah. right? And you're like, oh, I just, I just win that lane. Um, yeah. Or uh, I, I've had it where I pulled down like the, um, they only had one card left. I pulled down a Professor X and it just locked it down for me. I was like, oh, that's cool. So the deck <laughs> is so, so much good. fun. And, and this is a deck I, I think is really cool. And it kind of goes back into the idea of the meta itself. Um, yeah, yeah. It was hard. Like this, the, the runs were hard. It took a few times uh, for me to get through Infinite. I think that it took three attempts. Uh, side note: my first two attempts, I lost due to disconnection, which Ooh. is a, basically a bug going on right now. That Marvel Snap is finally confirmed. It exists. Yeah, I did not lose any Infinite to that, but I have just recently lost some uh, silver runs to it. Yep. So, uh, and I I put up some tweets being like. Yo, what the fuck? And people yeah. were like, uh, your internet's just bad. Get better internet. And I was like, there's no fucking way it's my internet, my friends. Uh, and it's then the one where the turn hangs it. up and then it puts you on like reconnecting. And by the time yep. you come back in, the turn yeah. has like dropped for you. Yeah. And even if you yeah. do it within like 10 seconds, like the second it pops up, mm-hmm. okay, close, close the app, re- reload it, reconnect. Yeah. And then in, you all, all within 10, 15, even 30 seconds. Your turn and it's is like, lost. bye, you're gone. Yeah. Get the fuck out of here. It's so stupid. I had it's that. Really I, I think... Like, the turn was lost, and so then I just wanted to retreat the game, and then it conceded the whole match, and I was like, oh, no. Because <laughs> I was winning by so much. I was, like, mad that I lost the game, but I could have recovered, and then it was like, I did not mean to concede. I meant to just retreat, please. Yeah. What's happening? Man. Um, so this deck is meant to be able to prey on the meta, right? This preys on Lockjaw, Evo, and this preys on Bounce with the, the yeah. Shadow King shutting up Bounce, Killmonger, and then the Doc Ock, able to do some, and the Shang-Chi able to do some funky things. Well, also, I guess the Rocks. A lot of stuff hits that, yeah, that Lockjaw. Of course. He was not quite. I love the longer stints in the meta, actually, because I feel like the game balance is a little bit better than the Reddit mm-hmm. ever gives it credit for. And you end up seeing the adaptations and people growing around what had been the oppressive deck and realizing we do have answers. And I think that Haivo Lockjaw has slipped a little in terms of people's valuation. And with stuff like this, able to find success, it's really exciting. Yeah, and, and again, I, we talked about this before, um, and I've talked about it everywhere I can have a mic in front of me and say my piece, right? Pilot skill always trumps deck overall power, um, at least in terms of like looking at like your skill level versus your opponent's. If I'm extremely skilled in this deck and I piloted it hundreds of games and I know every intricate line in and out and I know how the deck works, when I want to do X thing, when I want to go, go ahead and do Y thing, that's incredibly powerful. And if I'm sitting across from someone that's just like, I just saw this deck's doing really well, I'm going to play it, but they don't have nearly as many reps in, Yeah, odds are I win those games more often than not. Um, but of course, Marvel Snap is a game of variance and all that stuff. But High Evo and Bounce are still, I would argue, the best decks in Conquest at the moment. Uh, you yeah. got there with Bounce, of course, and Bounce is very flexible in what it can do in its flex spots. We're seeing Iceman versions, Spider-Ham, sometimes with both. Then, like, the Bast Iron Man thing, you can pivot into a more Sarah Control kind of shell. That's yeah. running things like, um, you know, Sarah, of course, herself, uh, Shang-Chi, Spider-Man. Uh, uh, Sentinels like do and do a bit more of that kind of thing. I personally like the Sarah Control one more than regular Bounce because what I'm doing, which I never see anyone do, by the way, I'm running Maximus in mine, 
because I just want a big thing to drop in the last turn, and no one ever expects it. I don't understand why you wouldn't run Maximus in that kind of shell. The like three he's seven. Just, be it, just a, a great stat, or the two seven the three, with the Sarah, right? Exactly, right on the last turn, and you're like, I don't care about them drawing. And then, like, you can still do your Hip Monkey, Kitty Pride shenanigans and stuff, right? You still have yeah. your flexibility with Shang Chi and things like that. Um, I, I don't, I don't understand. Also, by the way, if you're doing the Sarah Control version, don't run. Uh, what's her name? Scarlet Witch. Run Jeff instead if you have him. I hate oh, Scarlet Witch so why? much. Why? That's how R- I got my infinite baby. RNG <laughs> I was on the free to play. I didn't own Jeff, and so I subbed in the Scarlet Witch instead of Jeff. I honestly think they're interchangeable. I love the. I love Scarlet. But in general, when looking at these two decks, we saw Glenn talk about recently. Uh, got what over a week ago. I don't know if yeah. we talked about it last week or not. If we did rehashing it but he did say that currently high evo is not performing beyond their benchmark in ladder but yep. he is performing beyond their benchmark in conquest and i would I, probably assume that bounce is in the same situation and if bounce isn't yeah i think second is smart enough to understand that bounce is a complicated deck and that the average person not being good with it on the first few tries brings down that win percentage. And is, so it's like inflated a bit in the wrong direction, right? Yes. So how would you go about fixing some of this stuff? Like, how do you, uh, how do you balance around a, a mode that directly messes up potentially a deck's performance in a mode that it's seemingly okay in and not oppressive by any means? Gotcha. The the ranked versus conquest if one deck is highly yeah. outperforming the other. I feel like, honestly, there's so much deck diversity. If it's doing too well in conquest, you nerf it and you let the uh, the latter people play something else uh, or get good. Um, <laughs> one or the other. I feel like it's still surprising to me that it's not doing as well in ranked because I feel like the, um, the lockjaw shenanigans can have a lot of surprise bursts to be able to win a lot mm-hmm. of cubes. Maybe it's like it, it, the, just looking at win rate is not as good, but then cube gain is still doing well for it. There's so many different stat metrics to look at in Snap because yeah. you're looking at both win rate and cubes. But if I was on the balance team and I saw something was overperforming, even if it was doing well in ranked and then not doing well in conquest like at all, I would cut it and just you're going to have some of these decks that maybe do become a one-side specialist. Um, something like galactus and hella they're these trick bag decks that do much better in ranked and will not do as well in conquest and i think the community just kind of understands that you're in a different mode um but i want that mode's experience to still feel like it has an open meta right so when and it especially comes to with Evo. the um they, they've put a lot mm-hmm. of currency rewards on both and so yep. i think that they should try and make both to feel like but their own experience and mm-hmm. a fair experience so what would you do with High Evo? Like, what would you change? We're hitting cards, baby. I mean, I'd take in Wasp down quick. Just hits yep. one target. Yep, agreed. Hulk, I feel like, is sli- when it, the Lockjaw deck is just High Evo only for the sake of Wasp and Hulk, that definitely feels like a bit of an outlier there. So I feel like Hulk has to come down. He's got to either grow slower or hit a ceiling at some point. Either if that ceiling is 18 or 16, don't let him be the 20-point, 20-plus-point 20 psycho that can guarantee win a lane. He's, he's generating just too much. Um, so I, I have a I have a double like thing to say because I have some uh, some ideas. Yeah, yeah. First thing with Wasp. I agree she only hit one. Yeah. Although, 
maybe if they keep her at hitting two, you know how Lockjaw has the once per turn clause? Yep. What if we gave Wasp a once per game clause? Okay, that she only... Because like, I, yeah, I played yeah. a game the other day where I played against Haivo. They didn't play Jane at all. They had the Haivo Wasp on three. Or, I'm sorry, yep. not Haivo. Lockjaw Wasp on three, right? Yeah. And then turn four, Drew Wasp. Uh-huh. Turn five, Drew Wasp. Turn yeah. six, Drew Wasp. Yes. That's negative yes. eight power they put in that lane. <laughs> That's insane. It is it is wild when they get those top decks. I actually had somebody wonder of like, what if Lockjaw, rather than shuffling the card, cycles a random card and then puts the new card on the bottom of the deck. So you're mm-hmm. guaranteed not to top deck it. You could still resummon with Jane, but you're guaranteed not to see these Mjolnir or Wasp top decks. Yeah. I think it's an interesting uh, idea. It, it's hard to figure because like that might... And summonses that might make their top decks better by getting rid yeah. of the wasp and stuff. Like it's it's right. hard. You'd, ha- you'd have to see the math behind it, right? Um, but yeah, I'd either want to see wasp get knocked down to only hitting one, which I think is the easiest fix. But I think that having it limited as a once per game effect seems really interesting in my mind. Uh, yeah. And it has to be doable if they can do the once per turn, right? Um, right. Uh, the other thing is Hulk. Um, if they do the plus one, I've seen some people think that it doesn't grow fast enough um, or not like it doesn't get big enough to feel like Hulk. The reason they like the Hulk as he is right now is because he feels like this character. Um, yeah. Whereas a, a six twelve, he doesn't. So I have two things because these have to go at the same time. Otherwise, this rework doesn't make sense in the context of other cards. Hulk gets changed to a base six fourteen plus one each turn. Okay. Giganto. Okay gets reworked to being a 6-8 or a 6-9, can play anywhere. If you play it in the, in the far left lane, he gets like plus 7 power and gets a little bit of a buff, more so than where Hulk is now instead of 6-14. Okay, so he's basically, the Giganto is like a... Um, an, like, a uh, like an Atlantean, but like... Like a Nimrod, just getting the bonus on, on one specific lane. Yeah, 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 yeah. So instead okay. of locking him only to the left lane, let him play everywhere else, but give him a huge buff if he's played in the left lane. Okay. Because also he doesn't see play anymore. <laughs> like Even in the yeah. lockjaw list where he did see play in the yep. normal one, you don't. People uh, started cutting him out, or he's just a summon, basically. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so so I, I think that'd be interesting. How do you feel about, do you angle, like, nerfing the high evo abilities hard, to bring power up on his card or do you like just light changes to the cards and then making him the actual four zero brick? Yeah. So I think I see some people argue that like, if you do these nerfs to the other cards, you have to like bring his power up. I don't agree with that. I think you can just leave him perpetually as a four, four and he gets played the same rate no matter what. Um, Like unless they do something egregious and absolutely just destroy the way the Wasp or Hulk works and stuff like that, and they over-nerf, which I don't think they will, by the way. I think they've learned their lesson with Leader about doing yeah. that. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think leaving that the him Thanos, as a 4-4 is fine. Like, the Thanos and Galactus have both been nerfed at this point. They were both big bads who led the meta at one point or the other. And I think that they are in much... Like, the community would say they're in much more healthy spaces right now. And you I think can Thanos still win is in with a them. little bit of a renaissance, and... Galactus, people are still feeling out where he's going to land on ranked. I think he still does okay in conquest. Yeah. <laughs> Don't play him, but uh, 
<laughs> Which I, I would have said you don't play him on Conquest before anyway. he even got yes. the nerf, right? Exactly. I was thinking he'd be a horrible deck to play. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think just doing something very simple, uh, simple like that uh, with uh, Haivo and not worrying too much about like um, his own stats. You don't need to increase them. I only get to go as far as making him a 4-0 brick that just exists in your hand. At that point, like, also, I wouldn't mind seeing him change in general of, like, his entire cost and power. Like, maybe he's just a 0-0. Like, I don't know. Or I go, like, a 1-0. Like, why Why is he a 4-4? Like, who cares? Like, like it, yeah. I think him... Do, like do, he doesn't matter in this in this sense of like what he does because okay. the cards he brings is what the difference is. Oh, I will say, but it's it's still interesting because there are times where he's the only play that you have, or there's times where Lockjaw yeah, yeah. cycles him up, and you're like, oh, I got the high Evo. How good am I supposed to feel about that? Right now, I'm pretty sad. I could be really yeah. sad if he was a zero. My opponent's probably snapping on me if he's a zero. Um, if he's a little bit more powerful, then I might be like, this one's good. So it, it falls in an interesting spot, especially with that interaction. I've also seen, have you heard rumblings of uh, what if Lockjaw was a forecast? Then you lose out on your ability to do things as fast or have it, you have you lose one less uh, cycle through. You really um, want the perfect draw of Thor first and then Lockjaw Wasp or Lockjaw Mjolnir on four. Now here's it the question. Does, it does get tighter, but does your curve get better? In that in that situation, because there are some times where like I'm looking at my hand based on what I have with Lockjaw and I have Thor as well. Sometimes yeah. I choose to go Thor over Lockjaw just because I already have some big stuff in my hand and I'm like my hits aren't as good as they could be. But yes, you have an extra chance to draw your big stuff with Lockjaw. But now you don't feel as like worried about the fifty fifty of like what's the right choice of Thor or Lockjaw. Now you just go Thor, shuffle Mjolnir in, then you go Lockjaw on four. With like yeah. wasp and stuff, your curve arguably is better in that sense. I would think the perfect draw curve feels better, but I think that overall it loses a lot of flexibility. Of you know, when you don't have Thor and you're like, I have expensive cards and Lockjaw in deck, I do nothing until turn four. Like, yeah. how am I catching up? And especially if you don't have Wasp to be able to combo immediately, that just I feel like it slows the deck down so much. The high roll is still there. Uh, the high roll is probably unchanged. Um, but your your average game experience, I think, goes down a lot. Yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily like the thing about Lockjaw going down to a, a or going up to a four, I should say, just yeah. because we didn't have this problem with the traditional like Thor, like Jane Foster build of Lockjaw, with like like I said, Giganto, maybe sometimes played Iron Man, like stuff like that. Before we got Haivo, that this deck was, was very so like, surprising you know. to me <laughs> because yeah. it's like you put. Plus two on Wasp, and then you throw in Hulk, who's a slightly more either a more powerful Giganto or a more flexible Infinite. Yep. And then you're also running a bad card <laughs> in the deck, in a, in a deck that is really relying on not having bad pulls for Lockjaw. And that trade was enough. I guess the deck was already, it was always like, okay, but it wasn't meta oppressive. Mm -hmm. And then it's really the Hulk's flexibility, right? That makes it meta. I, I think so too. Yeah, yeah. That's what I agree with. Um, and then you can go to the versions that run Dracula and stuff like that. Right. Right. Um, so yeah, I think that it's more so the high evil cards themselves, as opposed to Lockjaw himself. 
I've seen some people say that Lockjaw shouldn't be in the game as he is. It's just like it goes against the game, even with the change to once per turn and stuff like that. The game, what? Goes against the way the game is supposed to be played. That kind of thing. It's it's, the way it's supposed to be played. One of these people is the way that it's supposed to be played. Gotcha. Same thing with Galactus, right? Goes against the fundamentals of the game, kind of thing. Ah, gotcha. Um, gotcha. Well, that one, that one, I would say would make more sense because it's like destroying the locations. No, I agree. Um, I just. I don't know. I'm always very iffy about bannings and nerfs and stuff like that in any card game, except for Yu-Gi-Oh. Yu-Gi-Oh, you just kind of live with it, and you're like, oh, they're going to hit something this month. Like, it's just what it is. But every Uh, other card game, I'm always super wary about wanting unbans, bans, nerfs, and things like that. Just because it, you can't look in a crystal ball and be like, oh, I know what's going to happen. I know this is going to happen. This is going to be the result of it. And the ripple effects I've seen time and time and time again from all these different games, and I'm like, ugh, that one felt kind of bad. Like, that's, it's always, uh, like, like, especially, like, when they, it's also the lack of action or the incorrect action can, that can be, have uh, horrible consequences. Oh, the Thanos um, buff when he was the best deck in the world? Because <laughs> yeah. the devs were behind the times by, like, a couple weeks? Yeah, which it's also weird how they have to, you know, submit their buffs, nerfs, etc., uh, weeks in advance when metas can change drastically. It's so archaic in the world that we live in today. Thank you, Apple. Because like, uh, they're, yeah. they're changing the yeah. da- game code, right? And Apple is ensuring that it's not a security risk or whatever. Like that's a pretext. Yeah, that's get uh, the patch approval. That's annoying. And I, I mean, I play on my iPhone more so than anything else just because uh, I no longer have an actual desktop, haven't for a few years because uh, uh, since I went back to school, I have yep. a, a Mac for all my editing and stuff like that. And uh, unfortunately, I just cannot play on the Mac uh, like, you know, as easy as I'd like to be. It's a powerful Mac. It can run Premiere and stuff like that. It's got 16 uh, gigs of RAM. It's, you know, it's a, it's a good MacBook Pro. It's a good, yeah, good yeah, computer. Yeah. Uh, but if, uh, like if I play games on it normally, right? Like games that I can actually play on the uh, the operating system, yeah, it runs perfectly fine. But if I have, when it comes to Snap, I have to do a BlueStacks type of emulator thing for Android stuff, where I have to go do a virtual computer for like Parallels for like Windows, yeah. and then I'm basically dedicating eight gigs of RAM to the Windows Parallel thing, and then eight gigs to left over to run the operating system for Mac, and then if I want to stream, I have to dedicate ram to that from eight it's 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 awful it's a horrible experience yeah i wish they gave it to me natively uh-huh but yeah it's uh, whatever so then do you too much. so i feel like we are really in a two-horse race of like the top of the meta do you give high evo still the edge of her bounce i'm honestly i've swung 60 40 bounce in the matchup like if i met them in conquest oh, and um between the if, two of them yeah. bounce is the edge like yeah. in a direct between each one like if one person's playing bounce one person's playing high evo i give it to bounce okay. however against the field i give it to high evo oh really i think okay. it's a little bit more flexible and has less counters i think bounce is the best counter of the game to high evo for the lockjaw version just because of the flexibility of being able to go oh fuck that i'm not going to go in the lockjaw lane anymore and pivot to the other lanes yeah a lot of decks don't have that ability um or match with is, the Iron Man if you got the the chance to. Exactly right, um, especially if you have like the the nuts like you know bast into like your Angela Hit Monkey Iron Man kind of thing, right? Um, if Bounce is sitting on the nuts and the the opponent doesn't have Sandman, it's <laughs> it's yeah. a snap. Yeah, but I, I think against the field though, 
I do think that like, uh, you know, bounce just has some natural enemies in the meta that can actually just be played in normal decks. Wave you're seeing a lot more in decks that just don't really need to run wave just as a tech. Maybe they want to, you know, cheat yeah. out of Dr. Doom a little early uh, or something like that, or they can, but they have the option to hold it on turn five. Right. Um, yeah. Sandman ramp is starting to show up a teeny bit more than we've seen before, right? And then Killmonger just slots in any deck you want to play that's not playing a bunch of sunspots, nebulas, and stuff like that on your own end. So I do think that Haivo has a bit more flexibility against the field. But it's close. It's really close. Okay. Interesting. I might even take bounce over the field. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Partly because I feel like the um, the Haivo lockjaw, if the opponent has Shang, is already feeling a little bit iffy. Um, yeah. They're going to still have to keep throwing down their big boys, and if the opponent is sitting back with a Shang hidden in hand, I mean, the high Evo is like, well, I've got a great hand. I should I should snap, and they're like, well, this lane's gone. You actually stacked too much right here and just within range, so that, honestly, there's times where, like, Odin has the eight power. I'm like, thank you. You will ser- <laughs> you will persevere through the, the Shang-Chi, yeah. and that makes yeah, them... Yeah, yeah have to really think about it yeah there was a while where i was running a high evo mid-range with hawk package and then it also had wave dr doom and so wave would let me play doom and hulk together it made it very easy to be able to pass energy at the same time so you get synergies there and up against bounce it's fantastic to have the wave um but more and more like in a conquest match uh on ladder <laughs> wave is gonna murder bounce right but in conquest if the opponent knows that it's coming they can just dump on five and then drop either iron man or chavez on six and still match your wave. You have to have like wave Odin <laughs> to actually stop them. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Well, let me ask you this. Yep. Since you think that bounces better against the field, right? Um, I'll be, I think we both agree. It is. They are pretty close together. Like in yeah. both of our opinions, each one is necking each other out by like this much. It's yeah, not yeah, like yeah. that. Um, how would you change if anything at all with bounce? Uh, like, like, what do you think is the target on its back? Like, is it kitty? Is it hit monkey? Like, like did they, go too much with beast should he just be a three two instead of a three four um yeah because that extra two power i've noticed is actually pretty nice so i don't know what would you do that's interesting if you just took beast's power down he's a huge facilitator for the deck when you're looking at bounce i feel like you're really i mean there's so many different potential connections to the combos i'm trying to think of who are the offenders that really hold it together and Kitty as a one cost, especially the cheap cards, are very hard to nerf because just the tiniest change makes an, an enormous difference. The big finisher cards like Hulk, you're talking about one or two points off of what's a twenty, a six twenty right now. You're like, okay, I can deal with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but if Kitty went up in cost, she's dead. Um, if she goes starter at a negative power, that's something. Make it so that Kitty is not playable on turn one. Also something when they have the turn one Kitty, you're like, oh boy. They have to open with something else. Then, of course, the nuts, which is Bast hitting the hand yeah, anyways. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. unchanged. Um, Hit Monkey also is a huge pump up for the deck, and hitting him is really hard. He's a 2-0 plus 2. It feels like any change to cost, base power, ability power isn't satisfying somehow. Like he, It would be a huge nerf, but if he, if he was like a 2-2 two, two plus 1 on the ability... What if, what if a 1-0 one plus 1? A one zero plus or maybe one. a one one plus one, like what if they brought down his cost a bit to like okay. give you that more flexibility on those last turns to really do that huge dump. But yeah. overall, you're still losing a few points of uh, power overall. But okay, it's not okay. a huge differential. Interesting. So he's cheaper, but he he gets less power per other card. But then you have space to play another card, and you get power from said other card. 
Mm-hmm. It could be interesting to play test around. Then is also vulnerable to the killmonger, which the yeah. bounce is dancing around initiative at all times anyway. But often you'll try and set. It makes it a, the thing with that is it would make him way easier to be able to combo in the mid game for an early proc and then still beast him back yeah, to be even true. bigger. So I don't know Envy if that's quite the direction cost. they would go. Um, but it could be interesting, especially because it opens up more counterplay with the killmonger, even heck Electra. <laughs> if if yeah. monkey and kitty are going around, maybe Electra is something to look at. Um, man. Yeah, it's hard because then they also have such so much power out of the uh, Bishop and the Angela. That Shadow King looking I mean, better and better in your deck, Brad. He, uh, dude, Shadow King is so good in this in this matchup. Um, and I, I think I've seen a lot more people be a bit more smart about putting in uh, Invisible Woman in their decks that just typically have no reason to put Invisible Woman yeah. just because they're hiding a Shang-Chi. Like, let's say against the Lockjaw deck. You just pop Invisible Woman in front of the Lockjaw lane, push Shang-Chi... Yep. Leave that lane alone for a bit. Okay, go to your other things. Same thing with, you know, Killmonger and Shadow King. Like, just locking these in behind so that way when bounce players can hop around priority, because that's what that deck is so good about doing, right? Yeah. Is um, hopping around priority, which maybe Ghost could be interesting in that sense. Uh, yeah. But hiding a, a, a card behind a you know, a card that says this flips at the end of the game when all their cards are already there. Uh, that's, that's a huge, you know, boon to that deck as well. So I don't, I don't know. Cause like, there's so many cards that work so well together. I'm a little shocked that Bishop's not a three zero yet. Really? The thing is that he's so weak in other lists, but yeah, for bounce, especially he can pump up just insane. I mean, I, I, whenever I played bounce, I've gotten him to like a, a three twelve, not yeah. as hard as you would think it would be. No, right. it's crazy. He's good. Um, as long as you're hitting Mysterio, you get a big big shot. I've had times where um, as long as I have like my early board set up and then mm-hmm. I got bassed on like Mysterio, the opponent comes out with Sandman. I'm like, well, I got Mysterio and he's a two-cost. This is turn five, but I'm going to play him and I'm going to scale with you. And then I drop my Chavez and I'm like, I win, <laughs> yeah. which that is madness to me. So, yeah, he, he brings a lot. Remember when Mysterio was a two-five? I do. 2-5 Mysterio, 3-2 Bishop, Collector at 2-0 plus 2 per card return to hand. <laughs> Moon Girl at a 3-3, you had dual Collectors that were both scaling off of the Falcon and the Beast. <laughs> that deck sounds terrifying, and I don't want to be in a world where that exists. You consistently had like multiple lanes with 15 power Collectors, and the, like, the, age, the beta age bounce was, was also top of the meta. Yeah, but I mean... <laughs> As far as the viewers are concerned, let us know what you guys think about these two decks, your own experiences in Conquest, whether or not you yeah. hit infinite or not. I mean, even if you didn't, don't worry about it. It's not that big of a deal. It's really hard. It's really oh, hard. Yeah. And don't feel a bad if you haven't done it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and of course, let us know what you think you should do or second dinner should do in regards to the changes maybe to High Evolutionary or Kitty Pride. We have another week and a half until uh, the next patch, which is going to be on the yeah. 11th. So exactly. we got some time in between. We'll see what happens. And of course, Teddy, now we're going to hand Don't it off to your snapping. show. Oh, yeah. Don't stop snapping. We're going to hand it off to Teddy's show now. So go over to his channel to check out part two, where we talk about the new season of Phoenix Force and some complaints from the community, as always. But we'll see Are these new cards going to shake up the meta? Let's find out. Bye. Can't Stop Snapping is a podcast hosted and produced by Brad Safer and Teddy Ninja. Originally created by Michael Thurman.
Continuing episode 70, Can't Stop Snapping, we are into the doorstep of a brand new season, potentially a brand new era, Brad. Though, I will say with the new cards, it feels more like a bookend to the move season with Phoenix Force coming in, right? We have mm-hmm. this brand new season pass card, 5-6, revives a random destroyed card from your side. This turn 5 coming in. It merges with the card, so you add Phoenix Forces plus six powers. It possesses them and then gives them the wings of the Phoenix to be able to move. They get the vision power stacked on top, just stapled on there. Is Destroy Move Hybrid going to be a thing with all of these new toys? Well, you know, in the lieu of anticipation and suspension, we're going to have to table that for just a second because we have... Another thing we want to talk about really quick in terms of people complaining in this wonderful game. So if you want to find out about our thoughts about Move and this Destroy Hybrid and stuff like that with the new season, stick around in the next five or ten minutes. But first, have you noticed that weekly challenges are telling you you can have the wonderful amount of 1,500 XP towards your se- uh, season pass as opposed to credits. <laughs> yes, I've noticed- I have. And we should we should get this out of the way before we de- yes. get too lost into the deck theory crafting. Lost they altered the sauce, it without, without telling us. <laughs> Instead of getting these credits, you're just getting battle pass progress. Which So basically the 1,500 is a cash and a half out of yeah. what gives you primarily boosters, a piddly amount of credits, you do get a way of getting gold, which in the brand new economy, like post um, spotlight cash changes, mm-hmm. can be a, a, a nice feature. And then you have like a one twentieth chance of being able to get a variant, which <laughs> invariably is a pixel. Um, man, it feels bad that you're not getting the credits anymore. And I'm kind of surprised. I, I know that they were going to be tinkering around with it. The weekend missions overall suck. Brad, I'm unapologetic. Do. I do not like them at all. Yeah, the first one was really good, which also we haven't gotten that refund yet, the the silk one no, for the 1,000 tokens yet. They said I they were supposed to do it this uh, the last week. That's yeah. what they're aiming to do. If they haven't done it yet. I um, never received it. I haven't either. They haven't even announced it. Uh, like They just said that we're planning on doing it this week and then nothing since. That was like last Sunday or last Monday. Uh-huh. Um, but that first one was great. 1,000 tokens as a rebate? That's yeah. great for, for yes. that. And then all of a sudden, now they're 300 each. I'm like, okay, is that... Is that something you already planned? Or is it just like a pivot to like, oh shit, if this doesn't work again, we don't want to give away a thousand tokens every time, right? So we can give away 300 tokens. It was planned. And the pretext is they're experimenting with you have to win less games, but then you get less tokens. Obviously, everybody would rather grind more games to get more tokens. Exactly. And they just wanted the thousand to be like, oh, come back every weekend. Um, I don't think that we're going to see that too often. I hope that they move it up. Again, with the spotlight caches coming in to really shake up the economy, it would be great if there was like a really meaningful token um, yeah. incentive there on the weekend missions. I would like that. But I hate having the required cards. Here's the thing. I play the card in the beginning of the week. It's trash. I make a video about it anyway, and then I go about my day, and for the rest of my week, like, I want to play competitive decks. I don't want to have to play these, uh, I don't want to have to play 2099, basically. I don't like him. If I'm not feeling in the mood for uh, move, then it feels, like, I don't think that move is a very good deck to run in Conquest right now. I know there's some people who have made infinite with it. I don't, I don't care. <laughs> I, I don't think it's that competitive all around, and then... So I want to go to ranked and then ranked is like, oh, there's a hot location. It is not a location that synergizes with your deck. Actually, your deck probably doesn't do well with this hot location. Flip the flip the phone. Like, what am I supposed to do? I thought that we had gotten rid of 
these these missions that required you to run a specific card. And I, I wish that we could move past it yet again. Well, I mean, let me, well, first let me show you this real quick. So uh, okay. we had, I, I commentated on a Snap.Fan tournament last weekend. Nice. Oh, let me add, I can only add movies and stuff. I'll just screen share it, as dumb as that is. Well, I'll, I'll throw it up in post or send it to you in post so you can, whatever we do with this. Um, okay. But, uh, so this was, I don't even know if it's, oh my God, it's so small. Our deck lists? Yeah. So the Someone bottom right, uh, a couple people brought move. Let me pull them back up. So these are ones I commentated over. And uh, there we go. So let me go this way. This deck right here. The Ghost Stegron won the entire tournament, and it beat <laughs> it beat Lockjaw in the finals. <laughs> Ooh, Ooh, with the Shang Chi, right? The Shang Chi was just like he's got the weight of the world on his shoulders. He's like I have to carry a move now. Sign me up, coach. Yeah. Oh, um, wow. So this is what this is what won the entire tournament. Um, so if you if you like playing move, I mean, I guess it's uh, can be somewhat competitive. But I this do agree with you. Madman is the... also playing Vision and Move. I've seen. A yeah, lot of question I, marks on this one. I'm I thought down Vision the was a weird one. If I'm in League of Legends, <laughs> yeah, I thought the Vision was a weird choice, uh, just because I don't really care for Vision too much, just because the the flexibility of moving it is just a a once time kind of thing. Yes, um, which I have the same res, uh, reservations about. Another card we'll talk about in a little bit, but um, I think the deck's cool. Move is cool, but I do agree it's not the most competitively leaning deck. And the season in which we got all these move cards, I really thought would be far more impactful for the deck than it's shown to really be so yes. far. I, I thought it was going to, be a to hinge. Weird. I thought it was going to hinge on 2099 releasing in what people erroneously understood to be multiple destroy activations. Yeah, and that was going to make move like actually terrifying. You met, you saw somebody pop Iron Fist on ranked or conquest, and you're like, okay, my cards might not live to the end of this, and he's mm-hmm. going to be scaling and stuff. And that was like really gripping. Ghost Spider is very good, very I flexible. Yeah, I agree. Some of these cards are great, um, but move is still struggling to be able to find it because it's so draw dependent. You can very easily end up with a hand of. All cards that want to move and no cards to move them, and then they're understated. Or all cards that want to move other cards and none of the cards that want to be moved, and again, understated. You have to have the combos meet together. So your your god draws are good. And the really skilled players who have a lot of reps on the deck to understand when their hand is going to win mm, can can pop off. But also, <laughs> uh, you run up against somebody who has like the one or two counter cards and you're dead. Prof X, good night. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, just uh, closing off an entire lane in general, especially that center lane of like, hey, yeah. no moving for you, my friend. Exactly. Um, which, the... I, which I've done that against move decks before. Even if even if I'm losing mid, yeah. I'm like, yeah. just to lock that down, and I feel confident enough in like the last two cards I play winning the other two lanes. Um, 100%. That's a strategy. But when it comes down to like this entire weekend challenge not being that great, and then there's yeah. the issue of like, you know, the... The looking at the cash is moving forward, and you talk about the economy maybe making these acquisitions of like of gold a bit more valuable, right? Just because of that. Yeah. Want to ask yep. you real quick: Are you on the hoarding side of things going into the next season, or are you just opening everything to get the tokens and the gold that are going away uh, to, before they're gone, or are you trying to get more like series four and five stuff? 
I think that hoarding is the way to go. Um, in pretty much all, like in, in, in most cases, if you hoard a large enough bundle, I think that the new system is going to give you more resources in terms of just how valuable these spotlight caches are, mm-hmm. being able to roll the new cards, um, whether or not you're a serious complete or care about the variance, just like in terms of the acquisition of converting how many tokens you would have gotten out of 10 um, caches now to the chance of having pulled the brand new card for the large number of tokens. So I'm on the hoard side, but the true gaming the system route i think is wait for the update to hit don't update wait for some content creator to crack open their account and understand how the developers are placing the spotlight caches because they have purposefully been evasive as to if they are going to be seeded based on your current collection level or seeded based on the first Mm -hmm. cache spawning at collection level 500 they've not wanted to give that information away because of how you could game the system in terms of you want to open the nine caches in between the spotlight caches with the current rewards and then save those to be converted into the new stuff and then crack those open as the super caches. Um, so if that is possible, which right now I'm on like, I'm 70, 32% that it actually is going to be possible to game the system yeah. in this way. Um, you could get so much more stuff out of it. And on the 30% chance that it doesn't work, you waited six hours on updating your game like in the grand Mm -hmm. scheme of the new economy you didn't cost yourself anything anyway and honestly that six hour uh you know might be a a stretch like you might find that out within the first 10 minutes of the thing going live hop on the official discord and see people crying about it exactly yeah there you go Uh, i've been leaning more towards like just opening everything i'm also only missing i'm only missing two cards in the game uh howard and tribunal both of which for me i got howard (laughs) yeah both of which i'm just like not super interested in anyway i understand that howard is cool i'd like to you know brew around him but i'm not like oh my god i need howard in my deck i don't give a shit it's it's a card that's interesting i guess but otherwise because of that i'm like i'd rather just get as many tokens as possible and stuff i'm at like i think almost 11,000 at the moment for tokens. And I'm like, yeah, I'd like to have like some extra tokens going into these new seasons, especially yeah. since we're getting Mirage and Legion uh, as uh, straight to series four cards, whatever, right? So that's nice. So yeah, yeah I, 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 want, I want the shit. I want the tokens. The gold I don't care much about. I can just buy gold if I really need to for whatever thing I'm doing for content creation and write it off on taxes later in the year is a wonderful, you know, cheat code for capitalism. Yay. But otherwise give me the tokens. That's what I really want. But I do think that potentially bundles moving forward with these large amount of tokens in them could have a bit more value to them. And people might be able to justify the exorbitant, uh, price tags that come with some of these bundles like for example the recent spider-man one at six thousand gold crazy crazy i wonder if that's going to change because i don't know they they have to be understanding that in the economy there's all this free gold that is floating around they've like factored that in and they want a certain percentage of these bundles to be accessible because they want people to be able to see the spider-man variant pop up in, in game and be like oh that person bought the bundle like they want to have that experience for the players and so mm-hmm. if suddenly six thousand tokens is like just explicitly what you would outright buy it for, which is really expensive, I think that they're going to have to drop prices. But I I don't know. They also have bundles planned out already, and it seems like the prices are pretty consistent with what they have been before. So, Well, there's some weird ones. There's like a a Morbius bundle that's like $10, and you get like 1,000 tokens in it, like 1,000 gold and shit. It's weird. I'm like, you have this amazing deal, 
And then the death one is like a hundred dollars, not even gold. It's just flat out ninety nine ninety nine. Yeah, real money. Uh-huh. It's just weird. Maybe but they're placeholders. We'll see. I was gonna ask. Uh, I guess before we go into the season pass stuff. Yep. I feel like they should change the ultimate variant prices. Think with the changes oh, to yes. tokens. Those are the ones that are the most egregious. If they don't touch the prices of the cars themselves, of being series four, three, or five for like a thousand, three thousand, et cetera, uh, I think yeah. that's one thing. But if they keep these fucking variants at five thousand, <laughs> are you kidding me? Because like, no, I, it's crazy. I don't, I don't buy them because I'm like, a most of them I don't care enough about. The one I like the most is the Ghost Rider, and I'm like, I don't ever play the card. So why would yeah, I do exactly. that? I don't like the Hulk Ultimate. I really don't like chibi related stuff. It's not my thing. It's not for me. Um, yeah, some and, of like, them don't even look that great. Yeah, and I already have I already have the Venomized Thor and the Frog Thor or or Frog Throg Throg is yep. it? Throg. Yeah. Um I have those two. So why would I get the uh Nullify Thor? <laughs> like I am already split between playing those other two ones. I think the Venom one looks better than the Nullified personally, but I know, I know. Uh, yes, I agree, I agree. Fire. Sorry, I, I had to think about it, but it, it's true. When you get redundant variants, I become so much less motivated. Like, hey, mm-hmm. I have I have baby Thanos, and then I have um, butterfly Thanos. And they're both, I would consider, great variants, but I could only play one or the other. Yeah. So right now I play baby Thanos because I already have him leveled up, and uh, I'm quite happy with that. I would rather get just new variants for other cards that I have been sitting at the base art for, for so yeah. long. Or make the yeah. ultimate ones like you know half the price, like two, like like make them like two thousand yeah. instead. Like it's still a decent amount of tokens that you, that's almost a series three card or a series four card. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, and like, <laughs> yeah. Whatever. If they came down to two thousand tokens, I would still actively discourage people from buying them. Same. That's like how overpriced they are right now. It's insane. I saw an FAQ post where people, I think somebody was like talking about it, and Glenn kind of sidestepped his answer. And was saying with the new um, caches, the spotlight caches, their variants that they're giving away in those are meant to be almost on ultimate level quality. And they're Mm -hmm. also looking at upgrading the quality of the ultimate variants with having unique voice lines and effects and whatnot. And like once once that opens up, you could start to justify the kind of price. So I think that they are going to be watching the price and. I'm sure I mean, that they've been watching I, the number of people who own the variants, and it's yeah. very low. Hopefully they retroactively do that with some of the ones that already exist. Like, for example, you know what yeah. I think is the worst, like, in my opinion, the most egregious ultimate variant? That fucking Nova variant. Oh, it, has, yeah. it has no animation whatsoever. Yeah. It looks boring to me in terms of the art style. As well. no, no offense to the artist, by the way. I think it's very well done from a technical standpoint, yeah. but it doesn't tug at my heartstrings in any way. I find it to be very boring. The background's boring. It's not even space. It's just like a slate gray, like almost like concrete look. It yeah. just doesn't do it for me. I, I don't Meanwhile, get it. you've got like Gamora, Sword Gamora, who's like, wow. Yeah, what is and I this? already have the Venomized Nova, which looks amazing. I love Infinite Border stuff with space backgrounds. They always look great. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I never split those or worry about getting anything beyond that because I think maybe besides Inked, but I still think that's even a downgrade, but like gold, sure. the foil, and the rainbow shit always makes the space stuff look horrible. So yeah, yeah. There's definitely cards that I wish that I could roll back. Yeah, <laughs> I had um, the noir Mister Negative, and Ooh. I was asking people like, so if I 
if I foil this, what happens to the background? And somebody in chat like straight up told me, he was like, it's a special background for this one. Like it doesn't look rainbow. It's like, okay, I'm gonna do this. I can't roll it back. It was like, it's a rainbow. <laughs> what I was thinking, I don't know. Um, but now I can't roll it back. So we got our, we got our rainbow cotton candy noir uh, negative until I go all the way up to ink, which and I'm some probably of them not just like, it's so jarring uh, between the art itself of like the figure of the hero or the villain um, yeah. versus like the rainbowness of the background, like anything that's like venomized or nullified or whatever. You're like, eh, what, what is going on? It's literally yeah. the Oppenheimer Barbie movie thing that's going on right now. Yes. Just mashed together. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Also petition to second dinner in the shop. Can we please see the upgraded versions of the cards? Can we yes. please see the animations rather than freaking gray? I don't want to see the most great. boring version of the card. Yeah, Have it as infinite. Them, show them as infinite. Yeah, I yeah agree. exactly. Then you, you open it and you get an animation of it like devolving into gray and then you have to upgrade it to be able to get his luster back. I and don't, don't like even that. tell me that they don't have the capabilities of doing that because if I use a um, a Agent uh, 13 or a Coulson, stuff like that, that makes random generated cards, they have yeah. the same border as the, whatever respective card I'm playing. So if I have an infinite yeah. bordered Agent Coulson, I get an infinite bordered Black Panther, for example. So exactly. They can do it. 100%. Well, we got Shall new we cards. move on to our hot new cards? We got new cards. And you already All right, we had the hanging question. Is move destroy going to be possible with Phoenix Force? Once again, Phoenix Force 5-6, on reveal, revive one of your destroyed cards and merge with it. That card can move each turn. So what, what people are postulating as the meme build is <laughs> you destroy Human Torch. Well, you set up Human Torch, and then you yeah. beat him with Carnage, and then... What the developers showed in their video, which I would love to know how many takes it took to be able to get this, they played Shuri, and then they played Phoenix Force to revive the... Um, they played Phoenix Force to revive the Human Torch on the Shuri, uh -huh. which doubled. They also had Wakandan Embassy appear, so it's even bigger. And then yep. you're able to move at will, double again, and pop the Taskmaster to be able to just roll the opponent with like a 36 power on two lanes. Yeah, I'm trying to think of how viable that is of a, of a setup. So, like, let's think mm -hmm. about it logistically. So, okay, on the perfect one draw or order, two, yeah. on one or yep. two, you need Human Torch. Yes. On four, you need Shuri. Five, you need Phoenix. Six, Taskmaster. Kind of looking at the original version of Shuri with, like, Red Skull and stuff like that, uh, not the new one with Sauron, which I think is a lot of fun, by the way, and a very good deck, yeah. but the, the old version of Shuri before she was nerfed. That was kind of the line, right? You're looking at a uh, like a sunspot on one, um, on two an armor, on three a cosmo, four a shuri, five red skull, six taskmaster. And yeah. when I say it out loud, you're like, that sounds convoluted as shit. That's going to be hard to get, right? But yep. in practice, how many times did that happen against you? Felt like a lot. <laughs> Definitely happened a lot. I raise you the consistency factor of multiple man being just as if not better than human torch for phoenix yeah. force they're both yeah. cards that make double use of the buff multiple man spreading it between mm -hmm. lanes uh human torch able to just double individually so human torch much better synergy with your taskmaster finish multiple man just able to kind of do things on his own and the psycho thing with multiple man is if you set up iron fist 
to be able to immediately hit the Phoenix Force merged version, you then have two buddies that can both move independently on the final turn. And then you could play another move card to be able to get yet another split of these super high-powered... I mean, just Phoenix Force and then uh, multiple man is nine power. So it is in Shang-Chi range. Uh, you're not yeah. able to get underneath that. But they're stacked. And if you found another way to be able to buff them, a la Shuri, a la Forge... Um, heck, you're putting, you're destroying stuff. You can have Nova in here as well. Um, you yeah. could do Nova one, multiple man two, Venom three, bring back the four power multiple man with the Phoenix Force, and then pop off. Now, how many destroy cards are you running? Are you doing uh, Killmonger, Venom, uh, Carnage? Th is that what you're thinking? Are you doing more than that? I think so. I think that it is. It's three. It's those three um, because Killmonger is popping Novas and it's picking oh. up the Human Torch kills, and yep. then. Carnage, just because he's super cheap to be able to combo easy. Venom, because he's carrying the power on his own body so that I'm not losing as much on the, the buffs. They don't do that much if I'm not I mean, that, drawing into the cards that I want to get eaten. But Yeah. Uh, well, that's yeah. nice in the sense of um, on, like, let's say on three. Let's say you miss Human Torch on one and two. You have Carnage yeah. in hand. Draw on Human Torch. On three, you can go Human Torch, Carnage, four exactly. Shuri, five uh, Phoenix. Yeah. So, there's a lot of interest in, in this build, and I'm, it's hard to determine if it's actually a meme or a dream, right? Because I'll give you an example. Uh, so in Magic, uh, last beginning of last year in February, in 2022, we had the set called uh, Kamigawa Neon Dynasty. And there was a card in that uh, called uh, Grease Fang. Grease Fang is a 3-3 three, three for 3 um, that says basically on ETB, or no, I'm sorry, not ETB, uh, beginning of combat, check your graveyard, and then basically bring back a vehicle. A vehicle is a subtype of cards in Magic. It's an artifact that you can basically tap your creatures down to crew them like they're driving them, and then they sure. have their own stat line. And one that people were talking about in spoiler season was this card called the Parhelion, which is a massive, like, eight-mana uh, vehicle that's like a 5-5 five -five on its own, and then when it attacks, you create two... Four four angels that also attack and hit at the same nice. time, and then they go uh, and then they stay. Um, yeah. That's thirteen power. And people were saying Grease Fang on three. If you have Parhelion in your graveyard with all these other cards like Stitcher Supply or Grizzly Salvage, all these ways to dump it into your grave, then okay. you just basically hit your opponent for thirteen on turn three, and like. Life at, in Magic is a 20. So people are saying, oh, you definitely, that, that sounds like awesome. And my initial thinking, and a lot of other people's initial thinking, was this is a meme. Like this yeah, is yeah. like, you know, fairy tale land kind of thing for the Pioneer right. format. Uh, it is one of the top decks in the format. <laughs> there it, we go. It it's, hit off. Deck. It's, it's like at a 5.6% show rate, which okay. in Magic terms is like a good representation of the meta. Yeah. Um, when you get to like 20%, 18%, that's when you're like, okay, this is a little, little dicey. Let's, maybe something needs to happen. But yeah, uh, gotcha. the deck is played. And so that's why my evaluation for Meme or Dream is hard because this gives yeah. me the vibes of, a, of Grease Fang. It feels yes. like the same thing. You're bringing something back from the dead and it's like, look at the damage this can do. And I yeah. just, I'd have to see it in practice. I'd have to see builds. I'd have to see what people kind of think of. And it might be that Sarah control type of thing where it's like, it just works. Like you just randomly throw in the Killmonger Nova thing and you're like, okay, cool. Right. It just yeah, happens yeah. to work. I don't know. What do you think? Do you think this is a meme or do you think it's a dream? 
Well, I'm trying to think about what the deck can do if you don't draw Phoenix Force, and uh, mm -hmm. it's kind of like a worse move, and I don't think that move is that strong right now anyway, so mm -hmm. you're going to have to be very, like, your fundamentals of Snap Retreat have to be incredible. It could put the deck on a level of, like, Hella, who is okay, could put it on a level of, like, current Galactus, where, you know, if you hit the high roll, you can absolutely go off, but if you don't hit it, then you're at a severe, or Mr. Negative, you're at a severe disadvantage, you have this key Phoenix Force card that, with this snap, pretty consistent to be able to find it, but when you don't, you're going to be fighting to against your destroy cards to be able to get the game plan together. Though, honestly, I've always liked having Nova to be able to pop, especially if I'm running multiple man in the move deck. He's clogging up the board, and then you get a lot of buff propagation, so I would be okay with seeing this archetype come around. It'd be fun to be able to see. Um, yeah, I'm definitely going to be playing it. <laughs> I'm sure yeah. it's heck going to be playing it. But in terms of, like, you're against Bounce, you're against High Evo, can you survive? I don't know, especially because uh, there's enough high-profile one-costs that are not Human Torch that Killmonger is around, and then um, that Killmonger on your Mega Human Torch is feeling real bad. So, I have this deck pulled up. Uh, yeah. It's the Surf and Destroy. Uh, I know Dexter's yep. played it, shows the video up top. The, and this idea is very interesting, because I've seen this deck in action, I've played it myself, and it's really cool. It has a nice pivot point. Um... Wait, the... is this mine? That looks like my thumbnail. Oh, is this one yours? Oh, yeah, it up? is. Yeah, it's yours. What's hey. up? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, this is your list. Do yeah. you think something along these lines, maybe not exactly like this, right? Maybe instead of Sarah, you go with the Phoenix herself, and then okay. you change some of these three drops, like Maximus and stuff, to like a little bit of a move thing, and maybe yep. just like like you have Vulture in there, uh, right. and then like instead of Brood, maybe you're uh, or maybe you still do Brood, right? And you just like cut Wolverine and you you, you trim some fat, right? But then yep. kind of flip it on its head a little bit. Is that too much going on, or do you think it could work? I could certainly see it working because just kind of move as a sub package has worked in modules before. And on this deck, I was on, I was, Sarah was on the edge of getting cut um, anyway as I was, I was playing things out. So I could see Phoenix Force hopping in. I'm very curious to see how Phoenix Force interacts with stuff actually like Sabretooth, Wolverine, and Deadpool. Um, yeah. Because they have some, with the regenerate nature. They have some wonky interactions with things on counting destroyed or not counting destroyed. And so, I, like, Apocalypse, you know, reforming into hand. It's yeah, 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 the yeah. discard analogy. Hella doesn't bring back Apoc. Apoc's back in hand. True. Does Phoenix Force bring back an old Deadpool? Or is he considered just, you know, back in hand? What about I'm, Wolverine? I'm going to assume no. I'm, I'm going to assume it's similar yeah. to Apoc in this sense. Um, yeah. One thing that just popped in my head, though, that I'm a little worried about is maybe we just don't play Nova. Because... In the situation where you just pick up a Nova that got true, killed, true. sounds Force really bad. Nova is, is uh, same thing goes with Bucky, I think as well, right? Yeah, you I don't think want those to have a, out, a seven. Yeah, <laughs> a seven um, power Bucky on board. You, you can start to see some more of like the the cracks and the seams kind of thing, right? And they start to form as you're thinking about yeah. like the deconstruction of where things. But Wolverine and wrong. Deadpool actually not counting would be a blessing because you don't exactly the Wolverine would be fun to then hit with like a destroyer later. Um, but if you're trying to run a different strategy and pull back a specific card, because you're pulling yeah. back a random card, you actually want to cultivate as carefully as possible only one destroyed target. Well, what if instead, what if it was something as simple as this? So 
Wolverine, Bucky, Nova, Maximus, cut those. And in favor yep. of Vulture, Ghost Spider, uh, Human Torch, and then uh, something else to maybe, uh, maybe like a Miles. Yep. Um, or like Another a payoff. Like a, yeah. Um, and then, of course, Sarah being your Phoenix. Do you think that could be... An, like, I feel like I, I, I want to cut Brood for more stuff to work, but I also don't because of the surfer package. Yeah. It's tough. It is hard. You can definitely refine the list, I think, to be able to include like the right ratio of mm-hmm. uh, move and destroy and then index more one way or the other. And there's a lot of great three costs to have surfer kind of bridge the two together of yep. some general buffing that happens at the end. So... I mean, even just something like like a vulture, uh, like um, like hitting a like killing a vulture with um, what's it called, like a carnage, right? And then yeah. getting that back and moving it just to get plus five. It's not as sure. flashy or like super as a human torch, right? But it's still a thing you can do. That's pretty cool. Exactly. Or even like to go away from the threes dagger scales very quickly, mm-hmm. and especially yeah. scales best at the end of the game. You can play her early, and rather than move her for a small buff, you could destroy her to see to the graveyard and then return her when she can pop off on a full location for plus eight. Um, and we're not even talking I, about, we're not even considering wave, wave early, yeah. a turn early into uh, the Phoenix as well. Yeah, ooh, for it's hard to destroy something, but um, yes. You, you'd you have to, to, you'd have to like destroy something on, like that, that'd be the human torch line though, right? That human would be the torch, human torch on torch one, line, exactly. Carnage, wave. Phoenix. Yeah. yeah. Which double, also sounds double, nutty. Double. He's <laughs> yeah. Be... And then Taskmaster. Like you just, you just take the turns off, right? You just, for, yeah. for turns four and five, uh, or I'm sorry, turns five, <laughs> you do nothing. Just double, yeah. double, and then Taskmaster. Would Taskmaster, see, would Taskmaster see the move on, the, on turn six first before he copies? So, like, yes. let's say, yeah, because I'm trying to think of, like, you play Phoenix. It actually would five, go, eight. I think it goes on the order that you play the turn. You would have to move him first and then play yeah, the yeah. card. Because it does, the snap does this weird thing where the the card will show moved, but will not update any statuses until it's turn in the queue. Mm-hmm. So, you'll, you can, mm-hmm. there's some really strange things that I've seen of, like, I dodge Shang-Chi and then suddenly the ongoing applies. But I think what it would be is like if I played Taskmaster and then moved it, he would get the old power. But if I moved it and then played Taskmaster, I would get the, the double power. Which There's so many does ways to go about this. And we're, we're only talking crazy. about the season pass card right now. Yes, we're only talking about the season pass card. But it's, it's like a new archetype. Nobody has tried yeah. destroy move before. And I honestly think that Phoenix Force is strong enough with how synergistic Human Torch and Multiple Man and even dagger or vulture could be that it's going to be worth trying i think that what about other scenarios does just a destroy deck want to run phoenix force i actually think Mm -hmm. it doesn't i feel like because they're destroying multiple cards and the cards that they're destroying are like meant to be destroyed or meant to be very weak you don't want to pay turn five to bring them back to life like i'm not really thinking of anything and i was trying so hard brad i was like all right i'm gonna play a tuma a tuma will self-sacrifice on four then I revive a Tuma on five, and then I have a, a null that's ten. I don't know. Yeah, because like, if you, if you want to get null bigger, you have to destroy other things before a Tuma, but then you have yes. the chance of pulling out Garbage Bucky and making yes. your Phoenix a, what, a five, seven that moves, mm-hmm. which is exactly. just Vision. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you could have played Vision. Um, so that's like really hard to think out. If once we get X-23, 
maybe this all sings because I think that Dude, D story I, is going to just. What I'm worried about is too much of a good thing when X23 comes around, like Dakin and stuff too, or Dakin. Uh huh. Destroy has so many cards. Yes. I would I would not even be I'm not even going to attempt to brew. I'm letting everyone else do this for this one. <laughs> I cannot even attempt to begin to understand or think about what the cuts are and what what you what you play, what you prioritize. Yeah. Yeah. Cuz I can see a world we, where you don't even play all of your like your main like Carnage, uh, you know, Deathlock and uh, Venom. You might just do Carnage and Deathlock or Carnage and Venom and like you cut one of those. Um and like I'm I, yeah. I have a, a strong feeling that Bucky just doesn't exist in the list. Is what my my gut tells me. Uh, for this Two one, six like, ain't good enough anymore for destroy. That's what's wild about it. If right? you think of like X twenty three is going to be a way that destroy gets a regenerating energy cheat, basically a psylocke that activates every time you destroy them, um, so that you could much more reliably have six costs that play on turn five or five costs that play on turn four, depending on the ordering. Be able to combo an extra Deadpool effectively every single turn as long mm -hmm. as you're running consistent destructions. It goes, it goes crazy. But what also goes crazy. I, I think that uh, can we hang the hat on on Phoenix Force? Like destroy move is probably the best shot the card has. Yeah, I, I think yeah. so. Um, otherwise, I think it's just like a little too clunky in other decks. Um, and like if you're yeah. gonna try and build around it, like you really need to to like really target a singular card you're destroying to get the value out of it, then it kind of tosses out general destroy out the window because again, Nova, Bucky, those are bad hits, and then. Yeah. What uh? What other cards are even remotely on the same playing field of the ceiling of which we're talking about with your things like Multiple Man, uh, Human Torch, uh, Vulture even? Like, it just doesn't make sense where other directions you can go for that. No, because you're not like... Yeah, if you're trying to consolidate power on Venom is like the one other thing that I thought of and then bring that guy back eventually. Mm -hmm. But it's like you destroyed so many piddly things to be able to get there. Your chance of the Phoenix Force hitting the right thing is very low. Um, I guess unless the Wolverine Deadpool synergy works potentially the way we're anticipating that they don't count. And mm -hmm. so if the only food for Venom is like Wolverine, Wolverine and Deadpool. Deadpool plays, you maybe could play a big Venom, destroy it, bring it back with the Phoenix Force, which will also destroy yet another stack and then do something with Null. But at the Torn Order there is, is twisting my brain around and I don't think that it's, it's really going to be worth it versus what the Venom Nimrod decks can do now. Yeah, I agree. I think those would be like, two entirely Nimrod, separate decks. Nimrod is just better in all current destroy cases than Phoenix Force. Yep, I agree. Yeah, I think that's yeah, yeah. by design. Gotcha. I agree too. All right, so we also have three other cards, four other cards. <laughs> what is, shall we talk priorities first? We have Jean Grey, Echo, Legion, Mirage. My Let's priority get list. Series four out of the way is what I'm thinking. Okay, okay. So Mirage sense. Legion coming yep. in S4, coming in hot. Um, Legion, full pass for me. And Mirage <laughs> looks very desirable. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really all in a Mirage. I think Mirage is sick because yes. imagine if White Queen did that with the plus two power copy. That's, that's a huge difference because it kind of it's it's like the leader thing, right? Where if you copy a singular thing with leader against your opponent, yeah, they have a hulk, but you have the same hulk plus 2. So you win yes. that lane theoretically, right? So Mirage uh, dude, Do you is... want to see White Queen go to a 4/4 four, four, plus 2 on the card copied? 
nope, just give me the four six. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, I think I think I'd rather. Uh, I'm kind of sick of seeing the four cost cards get dropped in power to like four fives and stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I like having the handful of four sixes. That's why I like Iron Lad so much in my Darkhawk list. Uh, yeah, he's just good. So he's just yeah, he's just good. Um, and when you and when you hit Jeff with Iron Lad, oh, it feels good. It feels really good. Oh, it's like oh, I can move this. Yes. Uh, but yeah, Mirage seems very interesting. I haven't quite pinpoint where she would go yet because on one hand you're like, yeah, you could think of like a collector devil dino type of shell, right? That's where most people's minds would probably go. It's another tool for yeah. that. But yeah, otherwise, especially if you if you have the the Quinjet setup, yeah, you yeah, love this. You got their cheap card buffed. I'll play that. Yep. But otherwise, I think it could just be a blanket decent card and yeah. one that I would think is uh, best way I can explain it. This is the card Cable wishes he was. Uh huh. Exactly. Like, like Cable like has the potential to be really interesting and cool. Uh, but especially since the Chavez change, where he's ninety nine percent of the time pulling Chavez does, off your opponent. How does Mirage and Cable live in the same world? I just thought of that. Cable is a two two. Draw the bottom card of your opponent's deck. <laughs> a yeah. card that is not in their game plan never will be, according to the draw that you now yeah. understand. And it's just worse. Mirage is taking their cheapest card and buffing it. It's yeah. So not, maybe I guess the idea is that Cable could pull you like not their cheapest card, and the idea is that getting a more expensive card, but could yeah, potentially yeah. be better. I don't know. And it's information, kind of like Yondu. But I mean, maybe Cable needs a little bit of a buff. He does. Um, uh, like he could uh, easily be a even, two three, or give the buff yeah. to the card himself. Yeah, something like the Mirage. But yeah, I, I, yeah, not to stay on Mirage too long because I don't think there's much to theorycraft with this uh, beyond she like I think pretty this could be blanket good, blanket good, or, or in default Dino. home. Yeah, if you enjoy running Furious Dino right now, buy Mirage. You'll be able to plug her in immediately. Honestly, if you love Bounce, you might be able to get a flavor of Bounce going with Mirage that could that could pop off, especially in the could Bounce be a mirror, mirror breaker. Yeah, it could be the Mirror Breaker. You're probably not taking a Kitty because she's always coming to the board, but you could be taking a Hit Monkey, which that well, feels insane. You say that, but sometimes uh, some players prioritize playing down their Angela or Bishop on two or three to it's be true. mana efficient, right? Yep. Uh, so you could yoink out a Kitty that just... And now you get the plus two to Kitty, essentially, so my, you yep. might be able to outrace them now. So yeah, I think there's a lot yep. of uh, flexibility in what Mirage can do. Or in the um, high Evo matchup, pulling a Wasp, that always That's feels true. great. Uh, suddenly a 0-3 that does neg 2 to the opponent, you can go off right there. Now, you say you uh, Mirage, oh, no, I'm sorry, not Mirage, uh, Legion is a mm -hmm. pass for you. Don't like um, him. He's don't a like 5 his art, Don't like his inability. Don't like his stat line. So he's a 5-8. This should have been, this been a 1-2. This should have been Snowguard. Ooh. Maybe. Maybe. I think he's a bit overcosted. I agree there. Um, but what they did show off in the trailer, I did, it did tickle my brain a little bit of like, Ooh, that seems funny of, uh, like a flooded location, which is why I think he should how, be a four, six instead. How funny do you think? Yeah. He has to be a four to be playable after the storm really, because if we understand his interaction to be the same as mirror dimension, it will not lock the game out on turn six. Because those new floodings will take yet another turn to go out, so they'll be open for turn six, mm -hmm. is my understanding. You you play Storm on four, play Legion on five. That Storm location locks down for six, but then the two new flooded locations that he created on five will also be open on turn six. Yeah. 
but it does mean that you then erase the effects of the other locations with storm so you have this like effectively a blanket ruins for those other two which in the video they had kiln there which was locked out and suddenly the opponent was winning and now it's open again for you to be able to answer i think he actually like murders storm <laughs> he's the counter to storm they stormed and then you open it up with whatever you wanted to play him on you know that's true they yeah. play they play storm and then they play cyclops uh, on four and then they play spider-man and you play legion and whatever you legioned opened up the storm location you build up more tempo on board than their spider-man and they don't know what to do it could the, be, the training wheels fell off it could be an interesting tech in conquest against uh the hyva lockdown if that's still around yes. by the time he rolls out 100 percent um yeah but yeah, I do think he should be a 4-6. I think it's a little awkward being a 5, because then he would work incredibly well with Storm in that sense of being able to have lockdown on turn 6. But maybe they anticipated yes. that in testing, and they felt that that was a bit of, uh, kind of like the whole Spider-Man on 4 thing all over again, right? Yeah. That they didn't yeah, yeah. like. But um, I... It's so toxic. I don't know. With the hot locations in ranked, I don't even like the idea of him being allowed to exist. Yeah. You know? Like, a deck that is tech to be able to abuse the featured location suddenly can have three of the featured location in half of their matches. What? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I'll, I'm going to end up getting him because I want to try him out, uh, especially also yeah, because yeah. he's a, a Series 4 right off the bat. Um, Mirage, yeah, I think, is a seal of approval. You should get Mirage. Yeah. That's a cool card. Yeah. That it can be. That's probably more applicable in other decks that we're not even thinking of beyond just being blanket good. And then Legion yes. is if if your brewer's heart is really yearning to make something crazy and stupid and potentially toxic, do it. Otherwise, uh, you could probably pass on him. Listen, if you want to be like brewing and toxic, I don't know, play more for something like the rest of the kiddos. You don't have to spend your tokens on this. And then you can get the, uh, the <laughs> saxophone morph. Yes, the saxophone morph to be visible for like 0.3 seconds a match. Um, high value there. It's... Yeah, because when your opponent looks away for a second, and then all of a sudden they have your uh, they have your infinite, and you're like, yeah, how did, yeah. How did that happen? Exactly. I have I have written in multiple times to like chat and whatnot. Is like, how did this happen? Yeah. It's like, oh, there was morph. Oh, I got gotcha, you. Okay. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Also, it's uh, Spider Ham is hilarious. I have programmed myself to glance at chat during my turn resolving. Right. Mm -hmm. My my pattern is I set my turn i talk about it then i read chat then i confirm end turn and then i read chat while my cards reserve resolve and then i look back to the opponent's cards resolving and then i read chat again it was like this equally of equilibrium right but that's ex i'm reading chat every single time when spider ham pigs out and i'm like chat what was it they're like oh it was this thank you this is the only way that i'm still in this game <laughs> yeah you guys Ugh. But, you know, so with Legion being a, a counter to Storm, which is a counter to the, the Lockdown decks, I think Lockdown is only getting much better with both of the Series 5 cards that are releasing this season, Jean Grey and Echo. These two look fierce. They look fit. They look fleek. Uh, Jean Grey especially <laughs> has me chattering my teeth. 3-3 three, three ongoing. Players must play their first card here each turn if possible. Brad? Kitty and uh, Jeff were already pretty good. Looks like they're fire with Jean Grey. Yeah, especially Kitty. Oh, yeah. We've seen Kitty show up in other decks where it's not traditionally a bounce deck. Just like yeah. this little package, right? Of like Angela, Kitty, Hitmonkey. We see that in Sarah Control. We've seen that in, I've seen that in other random builds throughout my playing of Conquest and other, and like the latter as well. 
I think this would also be true to generate an entire new archetype of like a KD control. And also maybe Sarah just slots right into Sarah control. I'm sorry, uh, Jean Grey slots into Sarah control. Oh, um, yeah. 100%. Because just being able to go Jean Grey, being a essentially reverse Morag on a body, saying you have to play every turn. Well, I have a card yeah. that I kind of want to play in a single lane because I want to dodge priority, right, when it comes to yep. KD Pride. So yep. I'm a big fan of that. Now... There is a worry in the back of my mind of this deck being very good and not very fun to play against, especially oh, if you are... 100% is not fun to play against. Yeah. It's, it's a nightmare to play against. If, you have to decide, do I lock it out early to be able to have freedom to play the rest of my game plan? Or do I try and slow roll it so that I could potentially win this lane? It's just run Enchantress is what it is. Cut, cut Jean Grey. Run Echo yourself so that they can't Jean Grey you. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, because... If you're going against someone that's, say, playing Sandman Ramp, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, They're yeah, kind of fucked. Galactus, get in the trash dumpster. We thought the nerf was enough. Kick him while he's down. We got the Gene Grey coming right at you. Just here's the thing. Okay, so guys, it's reciprocal, right? There's the balance here. Maybe some people are a little overblown in what she can do. Just playing Gene Grey and Mojo is tempo. And then pair in any of the Guardians of the Galaxy that are guaranteed to be able to ping the opponent answering that lane, and you're making money in, in snap terms. You have all the flexibility on your side if you are bringing cards that are flexible like Kitty and Jeff or other move package abilities to be able to see if the opponent is forced to overcommit in answer of Jean Grey or if they are undercommitting and just giving you that lane, and then you can know whatever you need to to win the other lane i love the idea of going ant-man mojo gene gray filling on four yeah. and then making your opponent essentially be stuck there to compete with it while you yeah. get to play yeah, around yeah. the other two lanes that sounds amazing yes jesus christ it's you don't great. even need to do a kitty pride thing at that point because no. remember she does say if able so it's not like she's locking you yes. in so oh, you're free then yeah. once it's full you're completely free um you can do some really funky stuff with gene gray goose I'm not even sure what the interaction is there. If, like, the opponent owns a lower-cost card, if they would be forced to play that to Jean Grey, or if they choose to select a higher-cost card, if then it's unable to be played to her location, so then you'd be free to go elsewhere. We'll have to test that interaction specifically. Is she, not sure is she just cracked and surfer as well? Just being able to brood? And she's a 3-3 three three herself? Mean, yeah, you could set Jean Grey and then brood and then forget about the lane while your opponent is stuck playing into something that's going to get mega buff. And again, if this is a deck, if your opponent is playing a deck that is wanting to curve out effectively, like a 3-on-3, three three, yeah. a 4-on-4, four four, a 5-on-5, five five, et cetera, et cetera, this just dumpsters those kind of decks. She could be better on like 4 or 5 just to like suddenly on 5, turn 6 has to be right here. Surprise! Yeah, it's like, that too. Oh, okay, well I had one 6 cost. My Hulk had to go somewhere else. Not anymore, buddy. <laughs> Play that on the lockjaw. Why don't you cycle them around? Cycle them around. A rock? Because I'm playing Hawks and Rocks and Jean Grey for whatever reason. I mean, she seems nuts. Like, she really does. Um, I will be getting her. Definitely. 100%. So she is coming out the first week that's before the Spotlight Cash is released. So she's going to be one of the last cards to release straight up for tokens in the shop in the conventional way. I recommend buying her. I, I think that she's good enough. I hope that we've sparked your mind of like the brew get yeah, it going because so i think there's stuff that it. we haven't even touched on yeah um for what she could potentially do even like 
like what we said, you could put nebula somewhere else and then Jean Grey over here. So it's really hard to answer the nebula. And then you answer with the mojo and you're just generating so much low cost value. It's real hard. What about to ongoing uh, Destroyer? Mm -hmm. Like Ant-Man, uh, Armor, Jean Grey. Then you do uh, your war. Uh, uh, war what? What's his name? The 4-5? Gets plus, plus Warpath. Warpath. And then you're filled. Yep. Your opponent's not. You're free to go like oh, Professor yes. X somewhere else. Cosmo, Cosmo, Jean Grey. They have to play here, but their on reveals are bricked. Yeah. Oh. But I'm just thinking of like a turn five. You, they have to go over there, and you can just go, okay, Professor X, I got this lane, so and then good. like Spectrum yes. Destroyer or something. Lock them out for the Prof X as well. Oh That's my dirty. God, is, is well, Destroyer you, back? Is Destroyer you would back have as a deck? Be... Yeah, so you would have to fill the lane on four to have the freedom with the Prof X, and you'd have to be ahead of them, but I could see it happening. And then also, like, the control hate of having Jean Grey, Cosmo, and Echo in a lane. Let's talk about Echo here. Yeah. One, two, after your opponent plays an ongoing card, you remove its abilities. They could be trapped to playing into Jean Grey, and you could kill their on-reveals and their ongoings. <laughs> but your ongoings are fine. Yeah. And obviously, you tech your decks, so you're not running on-reveals yourself. <laughs> so this card confuses me, not because of the card itself, but because of the philosophy okay. that Second Dinner has. Yeah. We see with this card that they're more than content with having non-symmetrical abilities, right? Which I think is yes. a good thing. Okay? Yeah. But why the fuck is Snowguard symmetrical? <laughs> why is Snowguard the way that Snowguard is when they can release question. stuff like Echo? Ge genuine genuine question, question for you and the listeners. Yeah. Or How viewers. Did Echo... No, no, no. Like, Maybe it, Echo what... is just learning from the mistakes of Snowguard? Well, no. What I'm going to ask is... Snowguard had to die so that Echo could fly? If Snowguard was asymmetrical, just your opponent, yeah. would she be uh -huh. too good? Does anyone think that? Probably. I might have to see Snowguard as a two-cost if it was asymmetrical to remove all location abilities, but it's it's real close. What if it was just... Because it's it only just... for one turn, and it's only every other turn that's even available to play. Like yeah. You're already juggling a couple balls to get it to work, and then for it to be a symmetrical effect is just embarrassing. Yeah. But, whatever. Echo is very good. Yep. Yes, especially with, uh, I think, well, like, taking initiative and Daredevil looks terrifying. Maybe even a Kang to play this in the mid-game to try and catch out an opponent um, dropping something, mm -hmm. something powerful like a Dino or a Hawk. Hawks are everywhere, Dino's everywhere. Even Wong is uh, making a little bit of a comeback with the BP Zola yeah. stuff. Um, Patriot is everywhere. You see them play Invisible Woman, you just go, whoop. <laughs> They're dead. They're dead. Yeah, and I, I even this was pre-Galactus nerf, but I was thinking when I saw Echo, I was like, she seems kind of cool against Galactus because you flip. They want to they want to give you priority, right? So you yes. flip first. They play their null. Well, that sucks, huh? Yes, exactly. Because the, so many of the decks right now want to be able to dodge initiatives so that they dodge the Shang Chi or the Enchantress, and then you come in early with Echo and silence them anyway. Yeah, she's going to be a good catch-all just in any deck. I think she has playability so, in any deck. I was going to ask that. How, because our one-cost um, power creep is insane right now. I yeah. thought that Howard the Duck, like a couple seasons ago, would have been a headline card. He is not nearly. So Echo's going up against Kitty, Nebula, Sunspot, and Ham right now. It's well, hard to edge out any of those, but right. I think Echo has a shot. There, But here's the thing. Even though you're naming Spider-Ham, you know, uh, I mean, we could even throw Iceman into that mix, right? Um, yeah. There's a difference of category. 
and even within their respective categories, their subcategories. So looking at first, Kitty, Sunspot, Nebula. Those are your yep. offensive-minded, generate-power type of cards, but they do it in different ways. Right. Nebula is one that's going to try to benefit from lockdown locations and stuff like that, even though you see both her and Sunspot in the High Evo lockdown list, but that's because Sunspot works with the energy floating. But Nebula yep. really wants to be locked down behind lanes, or at least if she can force your opponent to play a couple of cards there and dedicate power to that lane where you're saying, I'm abandoning that lane anyway, and you're kind of fine with it, she's doing her job pretty effectively in that regard. Sunspot, yeah. you're wanting to kind of float in between turns and generate mana in that way or generate power in that way. And then, of course, Kitty is something you want to be proactive every single turn and making her good. On the other side of it, which is, I think is where Echo flips into it, are your interactive slash tech cards of like Spider-Ham, Iceman, and I think she slots in yeah. that as well. I think she'll fit nicely in a kind of deck that wants to be a bit more controlling. Though, I think it's very, very possible she could actually sneak her way into the lockdown deck just for the sense of being able to say, like, your Darkhawk or your Devil Dino doesn't work anymore. Like, if they if they are like able to, like, yeah. like let's say you Storm, and then, like, oftentimes I, I might try to throw down a Darkhawk into the Storm lane, right? Because it's getting left alone, yeah. can't get shang Chied. If they have priority, they flip Echo. My Darkhawk's just a 4-0 now. That's already pretty nice. So, like, <laughs> I, I think Echo is yeah, a yeah. very good shot of being competitive. But I'm not even worried about her competing with the other cards because the decks that she goes in can justify her all on her own without needing to even worry about thinking about those other cards. You know? I think that's fair. Her, her ceiling of being able to actually catch out a hawk or a dino is insanely high even higher than those other one costs we mentioned her floor of being a one two is a tempo play mm -hmm. so you got almost no downside the downside is the space in your deck where you could have run whatever x other one cost that you might have considered to be to be good enough to run in your deck the the final piece that i want to push at you is cerebro twos goose in one lane echo in another what you gonna do brad <laughs> If you're running, like, it's so much control hate uh, on, on what they can do. Because they can storm one lane, they can goose a lane, and they can come in with the echo as well. Like, yeah. matching their power if they get their right draw is almost impossible. Yeah, that does sound terrifying. And, like, I was messing yeah. around with uh, Snowguard in Cerebro 2 today, just because I was like, maybe there's something there. Because I was thinking, like, on turn 5, you disable all locations, and she's, like, a backup to Luke Cage. So that way, like, negative locations don't matter yeah. at the end of the game. <laughs> oh no it doesn't work it comes back at the end of the game <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. so yeah this would actually probably be a, a far better card strict upgrade yeah. to the snow guard for sure 100 percent. upgrade to umbaku though probably not upgrade to iceman maybe iceman was already synergizing with goose though i mean the cerebro 2 list is like pretty well refined at this point but i think echo has a spot yeah, you could probably, um, I mean, maybe you'd step away for, I know there's some people that will go with the Luke Cage hazmat thing because they're both twos now. Uh, drop the for, hazmat. You might just drop the hazmat thing in general. It, it is fairly cute yeah. as well because you're not. Run the Luke Cage, stuff. drop the hazmat. Is Wong a 4-2? Yep. You could do, <laughs> you could do Wong <laughs> in that deck just for fun. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, probably, uh, I think she has a spot. Though I just. We'll have to see, because Cerebro 2 is one of those decks that's like, man, I wish it was better. Uh, 
it's on the one hand wish it was better on the other hand refuses to die it's yeah. like it's there it's down to it's down to clown on well, people it's kind of like like patriot has always been like a gatekeeper to the meta mm-hmm. i feel like cerebro's always been the little brother to the patriot yeah i, I agree and it's just because there's way more disruption available in the game to cerebro and yeah. I, that's why it's always said cerebro 3 was better just because it has way more tools to dispose of bad locations um and especially Suru 2 can just flat out deal with, or Suru 3, I'm sorry, can flat out deal with the monster situation with Valkyrie, yes. right? Where you yeah. can't do that otherwise in any other Suru deck. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's tough to say. But I, I like all these cards. I think every single one of them, um, if you... I'll put it this way. I could see justification for purchasing any one of these cards this season. There's none of them where I'm like, like there's no snow guard. There's no oh I'm there's definitely no snow not guard. getting that. There's no living tribunal. Yeah. Um yeah. I get reports from people in chat of like the raft gave me living tribunal for free. I played it and I lost. It was like, yeah, it's actually like don't do it. I think all of these Legion is like the definitely the fanboy special. Yeah. Um but for the fanboys, he's He's got and, his wacky he's, hair he's and his stupid eyes. He's an interesting card, and I think he he definitely can have some brewing potential. W- whether or not that's good or not, right? Or he'll I be a good deck. Is, uh, how bad his see. art is. His art is bad, but I think that's just the character. It's a symptom <laughs> of the character, right? Okay, okay. Yeah, but for the someone who wants to really brew the location tech, because locations are so pivotal in Snap, there's going to be niche cases where Legion wins you the game. Yeah. Just teching him in is like a five cost in almost any deck. There will be cases where he will win you the game. I don't think it's consistent enough to really want to play around him, but if you guys have a spicy take on how to use him, I'm down to try it out. Yeah, I just wish he lined up better with Storm, because then you have to Storm on four, that kind of thing. But, I mean, yeah. are there any other lane manipulations in the game besides Storm and Rhino and Scarlet Witch that you care about? Oh, Did uh, you care about being able can, to propagate? Yeah, I guess you could do, um, what's it called? Uh, magic? Saying magic into the yeah. multiple limbos that you have, like, extra, basically extra ruins. It's like just getting a lot of Rhino. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, you could do Rhino if you just want to be able to play on the most boring battlefield possible. But, I mean, when it comes to magic, I, I guess the only justification I could see of doing that route is when you're playing a deck that's designed of, like, oh, I would like to have this extra turn, but also I don't... The justification is for brand new variant. You're right. That's that, too. Um, that's great. And I also really don't want, don't want my opponent to mess with magic or limbo on turn six. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I don't know. I, I, again, I think this, this season looks awesome. You mentioned the magic variant. Those look sick as well. There's the magic one. Um, we have some other ones this season. Um, the, the Phoenix Force variant uh, for that themselves with like Jean Grey engulfed in the Phoenix is really cool. Yeah. I saw some complaints about the flavor of Phoenix um, versus like what they, what they feel looks better in their mind is the fact that Phoenix okay. becomes the other card that it regenerates, right? Which is flavorful, oh, yeah. right? Because Phoenix goes into the person. It's like the soul, yes. essentially. But people are saying they wish they would rather they'd rather be able to see the Phoenix itself moving around as opposed to the thing becoming. With the... Gotcha. So the Phoenix Force would take on the cost of the card, merge the power, and then merge the card text. But the the art is still Phoenix would yeah. be the Phoenix Force. Yeah, it's basically another morph in terms of your variant value. Yeah. It's only there for the on reveal. Thankfully Phoenix Force's on reveal is more exciting than morphs. Hulkbuster um, too. Another one of those. Yeah, Hulkbuster as well, exactly. So it's 
it's a challenge which, that the developers have just in terms of their own game mechanics. Yeah, which I think Hulkbuster should be on the outside. Flavor-wise, yes. he should be. Yes. I understand from a gameplay perspective, you want to be able to show what that card is initially first, right? Because Hulkbuster's yep. just basically buffing the card. But man, I would like to see uh, Hulkbuster... I don't know. Maybe they could do something with the art. I don't know. Maybe they could they could throw something on it, or like they could have like a little like on the Hulkbuster itself. They could have a little window, and that's like transparent. You see the actual card in there. I don't know. Do cute. Oh yeah, it. no, a hundred percent. the The answer is that it cycles every like three seconds. Oh it'll yeah, flicker that, to the morph, yeah. and then it'll flicker back, and it'll flicker to the Hulkbuster, and it'll flicker back, flicker to the Phoenix Force, flicker back. That would be sick. I agree. It's like these cards are merged. They're fighting for control of the body. And then you would remember that, oh, it was that the opponent played Morph, because there he is. And he's playing the saxophone inside my Hulk or my Infinite, you know, whatever. That would be awesome. And I don't think it would be outside of their control to be able to, uh, to set up. But I think that wraps up all of our card theory crafting shenanigans. Tune in on the season. Roll over to the Team Teddy channel. We're going to be streaming all of this. Once again, guys, multiple man on two, Hulkbuster on three. Venom on four, Phoenix Force on five with the, well, you can, okay, sorry, Venom and then Iron Fist, punch him, move him, Heimdall, your entire board is 13s. Ooh, check out the clip. We're going to have the short, we'll that, see how many hours it takes gonna us. That is going to be a lot of fun. Oh, baby. Where can they find you, Brad? Dupe brewing up the, the hottest and the greatest. You can find me on YouTube at Bradsiver as well as on Twitter at Bradsiver. Uh, name is spelling pretty easy, B-R-A-D-C-I-F-E-R. And that's pretty much it. Hey, Teddy, where, where can they find you? Because I know you can do a lot of cool, interesting things when it comes to Marvel Snap. I've got the YouTube channel at Teddy Ninja, and then find me on the Discord. should be linked in the description for the video here. Leave us some comments if you want some other cool uh, discussion segments. We feel very flexible right now for the upcoming season on being able to do some, some different topics than just the latest buffs and meta talk. We've got some fun stuff planned for next week, but want some more hot ideas from the community. And uh, looking forward to the future episodes. All right, and that's going to do it for us here. Thank you again for watching. Thank you for listening. Whatever medium you're going with in terms of consuming, can't stop snapping. And we hope that you as well can't stop snapping and you hear from us again the next week. So, bye-bye. Have a good one. Can't Stop Snapping is a podcast hosted and produced by Bradsifer and Teddy Ninja, originally created by Michael Thurman.